You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national and international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week. Yes, I am laughing. Broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. And if you can't catch the podcast... I understand the program is broadcast at 5am on Friday, once again on 3CR. How lucky can you be? How often can you listen to the Anarchist World this week? Well, hopefully once. <laughs> if you listen to it more than once, you may develop issues. Now, if you wonder what Anarchy is all about, an archive without rulers is about creating a society without rulers. Simple concept. It's not about religion. It's not about pie in the sky. It's not about, you know, nationalism. It's not about corporatisation. It's about creating a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the fate of hundreds of millions and billions of people, whether it's China, Russia, Australia, Sri Lanka, Bolivia, Yemen, you name it, inequalities in power and wealth. That's right, inequalities in power and wealth. And that's why... The anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve or share power, possibly through direct democratic means, the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good to satisfy basic human needs. Very simple concept. As living organisms on this planet, we need to be able to develop methods of organisation, methods of living, where each of it and every one of us <coughs> and every other living organism on this planet can actually survive and prosper. So anarchism is the direct antithesis to communism and capitalism. I mean, communism, as we've seen it, is nothing more than corporate capitalism, where the state owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Capitalism is private investment for private profit where individuals and corporations own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Anarchism is a process, a culture, an organisational method which allows each and every person to share in the Commonwealth and be involved in the decision-making processes which determine the type of society we live in. Simple. Very simple. You don't need a PhD. You don't need a doctorate of letters. 
You don't even need to go to university or even high school or primary school. Many of the anarchists in the past were people without, in inverted commas, so-called education, who understood that if you have limited resources and certain people, through a monopoly on the use of force, use those resources for their own benefit, then the majority will be left out in the cold. Very simple concepts. All right, let's move on. Um, Look, remember the story of Abraham in the Bible? And let's not forget that the Old Testament is something which is, uh, you know, is part of the Jewish faith, the Muslim faith and the Christian faith. And um, remember when God told Abraham to slaughter his eldest son to show his allegiance to God. Okay? Um, and the Eid festival, which the Muslim uh, religion has just cel- or is celebrated, just finished celebrating, you know, looks at this particular issue. And then we saw that God, when he saw that Abraham was uh, intent on slaughtering his son, sent down an angel with a sheep, and the sheep got slaughtered instead of his son as a sacrifice to God. Well, we are in exactly the same position in 2022. Listening to the Defence Minister, Mr Miles, and the Prime Minister, Mr Albanese, and the Foreign Minister, Senator Wong, you would think that we are embarking on the same adventure. Let's call it an adventure. Because Australia has become the South Pacific beachhead for corporate capitalism, for US imperialism. That's right, imperialism. We are being asked to prepare for conflict, to prepare for war in an era, as we see in the Ukraine, where war means mass destruction and nuclear war means mass annihilation. The South Pacific Islands Conference, which the Prime Minister has just attended, and which the uh, Deputy, uh, sorry, the Vice President of the USA, Madam Harris, attended virtually, highlights the arms race which is developing in the South Pacific. So what has this got to do with Abraham, Abraham and God? Well, it's simple. We are being asked to sacrifice our future, our children, our grandchildren on the altar of Mammon, 
corporate capitalism. We are being prepared for never-ending conflict in this part of the world. And if you think that I'm taking hallucinogenic drugs, think again. Think of what happened in Afghanistan when it all got too hard for the USA and they left the Afghanistan people in a, in a difficult situation and allowed the Taliban to take over and see what's happening there. And do you think it would be any different in Australia if the US felt under pressure from a war with China? Do you really think they would care about what happens to you or the South Pacific? Because obviously... It's always about them putting their national interests before our national interests. Now, we may still think of ourselves as a European outpost in a hostile Asian world. But the fact is, we are geographically part of that world. And would it make a great deal of sense to increase our cooperation and alliances with our near neighbours, not some power from the Northern Hemisphere. And the AUKUS agreement between Britain, the United States and Australia highlights the thinking behind this never-ending conflict the fact that we have now become the South Pacific beachhead for the struggle, not a struggle for democracy, as we're told constantly, but a struggle to ensure that corporate capitalism continues to be the dominant ideology around the world. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. Nice work if you can get it, isn't it? Now, you know, it's strange. I've been around a long time, got a lot of experience, but I've never been approached to become a CEO, a Chief Executive Officer of a ASX, a stock market, Australian stock market listed company. And it's nice work, you know. Because the figures have come out in the last 24 hours regarding the average wage of a CEO of an ASX-listed company. And it's around $5.3 million per year. That includes bonuses. Now, if you think the analogy between Abraham and Australia becoming a South Pacific beach at Naspin, and us being asked to sacrifice our children and grandchildren on the altar of Mammon was a little bit far-fetched. Think of it this way. One person receives $5.3 million. Now, they're not going to pay tax on $5.3 million because obviously they will use every legal loophole in the taxation system to legally minimise their tax, okay? So they'll get most of that $5.3 million. Don't think they're only going to get half of it and you'll get the other half. It doesn't work that way. Think of a scale, an old-fashioned scale. 
one of those justice scales. You know, you've got justice, you've got, you know, justice is blind. On one side of the scale, you have one person sitting on that scale. And on the other side of the scale, you have 250 people. Well, that's the differential between 250 people, the wage they receive, or the Social Security benefits they receive, compared to the benefits one individual who is a CEO of an ASX, Australian stock market, you know, listed stock market company, receive. So financially, they're 250 times better off than somebody on a Social Security benefit and almost 300 times better off than somebody on unemployment benefits. Think about it. And that's the type of society we have. See, because, see, your capitalism, private investment for private profit is, is based on a, a very, it's an exceptionally simple concept and it impinges on our lives every moment of the day. And when I raise this comparison between one Australian and 250 Australians, it highlights what it's all about. Now, there's two ways to make a profit when you're in business. And if you're going to pay somebody $5.3 million, and obviously there's all these other people under them that get $2 million, $1 million, then you've got all the board members that get a, you know, a few million dollars for attending 10 meetings or six meetings a year. The thing is, how do they make that profit? Are they brilliant people? Are they wonderful human beings? Maybe they are. I don't know. I assume they're not. But how do you make a profit in a company? You make it in two ways. You squeeze the workers in that company who make that profit for you or you squeeze the consumer. It's the only way to make a profit. There's no other way. You may talk about, you know, uh, all this cryptocurrency and investing in the stock market, but at the end of the day, when you look at the private investment for private profit model, which this little, you know, comparison highlights, one person is worth financially more than 250 people. Well, think about it. Think about it. Around the world, there is a billionaire created every 30 minutes. That's around the world. We have finite resources on this planet. We have an ever-increasing population, now approaching 8 billion. But the biggest growth industry seems to be the production of billionaires and millionaires around the world. And that's for far too long we have accepted the idea that the only way for us to function successfully and prosper as human beings is to put our hat on the private investment for private profit uh, 
gravy train for some. And what we've seen over the last 40 years, and I know you're bored with this, but the trouble is with when you're talking, you're doing analysis and you're talking politics and you're talking culture, over the last 40 years, what we have seen is that most of the gains which were made through the blood sacrifice, that's right, the blood sacrifice of human beings for a better life, have been washed away, pushed aside by an economic ideology, and it's an ideology, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a science, you know, like atoms, electrons, protons, nucleus, blah, blah, blah. It's not a science. It's an ideology. An ideology that private investment for private profit is the only way for human beings to function. But if you live in Australian society in 2022, we never mention the C word, either in public or private. That's right. We never mention the C word. And the C word is capitalism. C-A-P-I-T-A-L-I-S-M. Private investment for private profit. A philosoph- an ideology, it's not a philosophy, it's an ideology which is based on exploiting people's labour and exploiting the people who need the goods and services which your corporation or business provides. For example, what are these four fundamental changes that have occurred in our society which have been promoted not just by the Liberal National Party, but by the Australian Labor Party, commonly known as the Alternative Liberal Party. And then when we see Mr Miles wander across to the Centre for Strategic Change in the US of A, and Mr Albanese and Madam Wong, you know, talking about the threat in the South Pacific, you begin to understand that the ideology which they are following is the same ideology which dominates every aspect of our existence. And if you think I'm exaggerating, you woke up this morning, or you woke up this afternoon, you woke up, what's the first thing in your mind? Oh, well, you're going to go to the toilet, okay? You've got a full bladder. What's the second thing in your mind? How am I going to pay those bills? Will my temporary part-time insecure work continue? How many bills will turn up today? How am I going to feed the children today? How am I going to ensure that they get the same opportunities as everybody else in the society? How am I going to pay the rent and mortgage How am I going to look after my ageing parents when I've got to work 60 hours a week in order to survive? So every aspect, how am I going to buy lunch? Not what I'm going to buy, but how. So every aspect of our lives 
is dominated by an economic imperative. And that economic imperative is constrained within this box, within this so-called economic box, you know, a prison. Let's call it a prison, which is based on four basic principles to ensure the private investment for private profit model continues ad nauseum. The first principle is deregulation. We're told about red tape, green tape, purple tape, you name it, there's tape. Obviously, there are regulations which are there for no purpose. But most regulations which are in place, which have now been removed, were there to protect the consumer or to protect workers. And part of the neoliberal philosophy, ideology, it's not a philosophy, ideology, is about removing government regulation which has been put in place by people who have struggled for generations to ensure they get at least some crumbs that are wiped off the corporate table. So you weaken the regulations which protect people. At the same time, you set up bodgy government associations and agencies which are theoretically there to protect you. And when you go with cap in hand to obtain that protection, there are so many bends in the application process that you just throw up your hands in horror, that you need other people, you need to pay other people to actually access those agencies. That's what deregulation is about. Then you've got that wonderful word privatisation. I call it starvation. Privatisation has been at the head of government policy for the last four decades, whether it's Liberal Party, National Party, Australian Labor Party, privatisation is the mantra. The private sector, the private investment for private profit motive is the only way forward. So we see the privatisation of the nursing home sector. And what do we see? How do you make a profit? If you have a private nursing home, well, you make a profit by squeezing the employees, so they're some of the most lowly paid workers in the country, and by decreasing services to the aged care residents. That's why I say starvation. In some nursing homes around this country that are privately run, the average daily cost for food is $2, $3 maximum. Extraordinary. Obviously, if you have enough disposable income to send your granny to a five-star nursing home, well, then it's a different matter. You'll have a cappuccino machine there, won't you? And somebody to run it. Think about it. That's what privatisation is. We have just seen the Victorian 
Australian Labor Party, which is the model for privatisation, continue to privatise basic infrastructure. For example, they privatised Melbourne Port. They privatised the titles office. They've now privatised, although they won't use the P word, the Road Traffic Authority. And I know that if after the state election, where most likely they'll be re-elected, they are thinking seriously about privatising the Transport Accident Commission and maybe even WorkSafe. Think about it. Not much left to privatise. So what is privatisation? Well, in its most simple aspect, what privatisation is, people have put in taxpayer money, the blood, sweat and tears of workers, to create publicly owned institutions which provide essential services at a reasonable rate and also make a profit which goes back into the Treasury. And privatisation is giving away, giving away these publicly owned companies to the private sector for a song, for a penny. Commonwealth Bank privatised, was it 25 years ago? Shares were about $2.50, they're almost $100 now. Commonwealth Serum Laboratory privatised in the mid-1990s. Just what we need now during the pandemic, privatised. Shares sold for about $2.70, now over $300, I think. I haven't checked lately. Think about it. Then you've got corporatisation. A wonderful word. The thing we're going to sacrifice ourselves for. Oh, not ourselves, but our children, obviously. We're going to follow the example of Abraham. But unfortunately, unlike the Bible, there's no angel coming down with a sheep to be sacrificed instead of our children. So when we're told we're fighting for the country, we're fighting for our future, we're fighting for democracy, the reality is we're not fighting for any of that. We're fighting to allow corporations to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Nothing highlights this than the tragedy, and it is a tragedy, a Shakespearean tragedy, that we have allowed this country's mineral resources and natural resources, which belong to First Nations people, to be exploited in such a way as to create billionaires and CEOs whose wealth is extraordinary. Think about it. And then you've got globalisation. What a fancy word. What it means is you export local jobs to the part of the world which has the lowest wages and the most exploitive work practices and then you bring back those products and sell them. What a wonderful world we live in. Apologies to Louis Armstrong. So do mention the C word every day because capitalism has a hold on your body, your brain, your soul, your progeny. It is the only God that we worship. 
in this country and around most of the world. And the tragedy is when you have crises like in Sri Lanka or Lebanon, what we see is another group who hold capitalism, the private investment of a private profit model, has the holy grail of human existence. Let's move on. Listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Look, I'm confused. Obviously, I'm confused. That's why I'm broadcasting here at Community Radio 3CR via, via the uh, you know, Community Radio Network around Australia. I'm a very confused human being. And obviously every one of you that's listening to this program is also confused because you wouldn't be listening to the Anarchist World this week. If you were clear-headed, you'd be out there trying to make a buck by exploiting, you know, your fellow workers. I'm confused. This is a rich country. Come on. 25 million people living on a continent. Resource rich. I say it every week. It's a rich country. So why don't we have food security for this country's people? Why am I told consistently that I need to donate to a food bank or a private charity in order to feed people? It's extraordinary, isn't it? Housing. Why do we have million-dollar houses in nondescript suburbs kilometres from the CBD where people are tied to a mortgage, you know, for the rest of their lives. Intergenerational mortgages. Extraordinary. Can't believe it. Why do we have, pandemic or no pandemic, a health system, a public health system, which grinds on from day to day, relying on the goodwill of the workers in that system to put in an extra, you know, extra effort? Why? Can't, I can't understand it. Why do we have an education system where we have a private charity asking us to give money to this private charity so Australian children can go to public schools and receive the same education as other kids in that public school because their parents and guardians don't have enough money to pay for the extras? It's supposedly public education. And why do we have a situation where many people in our society never have a holiday and never will have a holiday because they don't have the disposable income to meet their basic human needs? Well, it's simple. It's very simple. We don't have enough to ensure food security in this country. We don't have enough to ensure an adequate public housing sector to compete with the private housing sector. We don't have enough to have a reasonable public health system. We don't have enough to allow an education system to educate all children. And we don't have enough to provide a little bit of recreation for the citizens of this country. And why don't we have enough? It's very, 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 very simple. Even simple Simon, like me, a simple Simon like me, understands. If you have one person 
earning as much as 250 people on a social security benefit. That's why we never have enough. It's not we're a poor country. It's not that we don't have any resources. It's the fact that the way the system is structured, it's structured in such a way as to allow that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and the investment class at 8% of Australians who have disposable income to use this country's investment-friendly laws like negative gearing and franking credits to screw the rest of us. It's simple. It is so simple. So why do things never seem to change? Now, obviously... There are reforms out there. We've seen them. Wonderful reforms as far as the energy crisis is concerned, as far as the greenhouse emergency is concerned, the climate emergency is concerned. Yes, reforms which are based on capitalism, private investment for private profit, not community-owned, decentralised energy systems, but centralised energy production renewable systems owned by the private sector. I believe that this country will eventually enter into treaties with this, this, this country's First Nations people. There is a push for that. But what type of treaty? What type of treaty? When the Mabo decision was handed down in 1992, there was hullabaloo. And why was there hullabaloo? Because it actually questioned Ownership rights, legally questioned ownership rights. And every single effort that has been made since 1992 is to water down the Marpo decision to ensure that this country's First Nations people will never reap the benefits of this land. Simple. Why again? Private investment for private profit. We now have sections of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community begging to turn native title into freehold title so that land can then be used as a collateral with the banks to lend them money to create things. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So why do things never seem to change in Australia? One, I think there is a gross lack of understanding of the type of society we live in. And that's understandable. If for every second of the day you are drip-fed garbage that the only way forward is private investment for private profit, whereas the government guild at ABC, the corporate-owned media, you know, the so-called social or asocial, e-social media, and the list goes on and on, it's the same story. We all want to win tats lotto, and I can understand why. It's the same story, isn't it? Private investment for private profit, same story. Then when a crisis occurs, people become fearful. And even in Australia, fear has become a dominant part of our existence. Not fear of the knock on the door, you know, in the early hours of the morning, not a fear of being dragged away 
and imprisoned, although that can become a reality very quickly, but a fear, a gut fear based on insecurity. The insecurity of having work where if you don't toe the line, you can find yourself unemployed. Huge insecurity when you're burdened with debt. Huge insecurity. And what we've seen over the last 40 years is the creation of a whole new group of people called contractors, subcontractors, who are basically out on their own, who've been pushed out on their own, who have no legal protections, who have to toe the line in order to survive. So there's this fear that if you lose your job, you lose your income. And if you lose your income in a capitalist society and you can't pay your debts, you lose everything. No wonder 90% of small businesses fail within five years. So whether it's Australia or the Ukraine or Sri Lanka or Yemen or Somalia or whatever, things don't seem to change because we continue to accept the basic premise that the only way forward is through a private investment for private profit model. So, what are we going to do about it? Well, we could bitch till the cows come home. Yep. We can look at each other and say, oh, my problem has occurred because that person comes from another place. Or my problem has occurred because that person wears a silly thing on their head. Or my problem has occurred because that person's skin colour is a little bit different. Or, oh, my problem has occurred because that person isn't the same gender as I am. And so we tend to look for scapegoats. Look for scapegoats for the situation we find ourselves in. We don't look at to the people who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. We don't look to the politicians, the majority, not all of them, but the majority of them who have been elected, whose single mantra seems to be to ensure that that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange, communication continues to lord over us. No, 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 no. We'd never, we'd never think about that. So what can we do? Well... I've always been a great supporter of direct action. But unfortunately, in a society where direct action has been criminalised, that's right, you can be jailed for up to 25 years for being part of an occupation. As we saw with the Blockade Australia movement in uh, Sydney a few weeks ago, the introduction of draconian laws which allowed those protests to be broken up before they even started. People to be harassed, jailed, fined. And we'll be seeing the same thing in Victoria once legislation goes through Parliament uh, regarding the uh, forestry industry, and the list goes on and on. So they don't care. Look, I've been involved in a little campaign uh, regarding public housing for the last four years, and we've spent, you know, 
inordinate amount of time outside the Victorian State Parliament. They don't care. They don't care. But they did care four years ago, just before the state election. And they did care because, one, we held a protest there for 10 days, which they didn't really, you know, they contain. But they did care when I personally rang against Mr Foley, the Minister for Housing. No, not that I got many votes, but that was irrelevant. They cared so much that they made a promise that they would build 1,000 new public housing units or houses. Have they built any? No. Have they allocated $1 to providing new public housing? No. They've allocated lots of money for social, community and you know affordable housing, which is all privately owned, but not public housing. But they did care during the election campaign. Now, there's a state election coming up. That's right. There's a state election in Victoria coming up at the end of November. I mean, we have a fixed day. I think it's the second... I think it's the second last or the last Saturday in November. The trouble is, there's no point, you know. So what do you do? Do you ignore the state election or do you participate and cause a little bit of grief? What do you do? This is the dilemma which I'm facing currently. Now, as you know, I've been, I've been advocating that people join public interest before corporate interests so we could register as a political party before the next state election. Well, obviously, we don't have the numbers to register. And even if we did, it's too late for this state election. So what's the other option? The other option is for people listening to this program to stand as candidates, in particular electorates. Think about it. Now, I'm interested, personally, and this is, again, me, I'm interested in standing against Mr Daniel Andrews, the Premier in the electorate of Mulgrave, which, you know, takes in Mulgrave and Springvale about 40,000 people. And I'm interested, I'll tell you why. I'm interested not because I was against the vaccine mandates. I'm not. I'm a medical practitioner. I see what happens. I've seen people die. I've seen them in the last few days. It's real. People need protection. And I don't take much notice of conspiracy theories, rumours, innuendos, but I am interested in policies because this Victorian state government and most other state governments have been campaigning on a construction blitz, you know. What's the point of having a bloody construction blitz privatising public assets when you can't even look after the basic human needs of the people you represent. And I'm interested in running a campaign based on food security for Victorians, public housing for Victorians, rapid improvement in our public health sector, ensuring that all children that use public education are able to participate in every aspect of that public education, irrespective of the disposable income their parents or guardians have, and I'm very interested in people on Social Security benefits and people on low incomes actually having a holiday occasionally. These are just a few things, but these are basic human needs. When you see state governments and, and the federal government put the needs of MAMON, the needs of the corporate sector, before the needs of the citizens they theoretically represent, you think you need to do something. But this time, I'm not going to approach this in a scattergun way. I'm going to approach this 
intelligently, which may be a difficult thing. I'll be discussing the matter in July on this program. In August, there'll be a series of uh, meetings to see if there's any interest in this particular campaign. And then if there's an interest, we'll start in September, which gives us a three-month lead-up time to the state election. Not that I'm going to be elected, not that Mr Andrews is going to lose his seat, but at least we need to put some pressure on them at one moment in their lives where they are susceptible to pressure, real pressure, during the election period. The thing I'm interested in is the satisfaction of basic human needs based on food security, public housing, public health, public education and recreation. Simple concepts. Simple concepts. A government that cannot satisfy the basic human needs of its population should not be in power. Because, you see, I have a different interpretation to what a government is than maybe they have. The state was created to protect the status quo. We had this, you know, this king or queen or emperor or empress who were there by divine right. God put his hand or her hand down and picked them up and said, here you are, you murdering, thieving, scum bastard. You've killed enough and raped enough and you, people and you've stolen enough lands. You can be king now. And we're going to give you absolute power. Absolute power. And over generations, over hundreds of years, people fought back and slowly, slowly regained a little bit of power. And by the 20th century, the state became not just an instrument of oppression, but an instrument which ensured that its citizens had access to the basic necessities. Then comes the ideology of neoliberalism. Privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation, and all those gains are whittled away. And we have all those major political parties which theoretically represent the interests of the citizens, represent the interests of the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication pushing us around, gingering us up, using nationalism as a rallying cry in order to, you know, we get our children ready to be sacrificed on their killing fields for their corporate mates. Think about it. It's an extraordinary state of affairs when you think about it. 20th, 20th century, we're talking about war. We're talking about increasing inequality. We're talking about, in a country as rich as Australia, not being able to provide food security, housing, health care, education to all our citizens, not just those with the disposable income. The children of the CEOs who receive an average of $5.3 million every year to buy their bin $42,000 bottle of 2012 wine. That's right. Mm. Send their kids to the best private schools. Buy the best 
health care that money can buy, while the rest of us, well, we scrimp and save and we get buffeted and pushed around and sometimes people commit suicide because of their financial pressures and we see something that's been built over years like superannuation benefits just disappear because of fluctuations in the stock market and the list goes on and on. Unfortunately, I'm just one person. Just one person carrying on on a radio program. Just one person. Irrelevant. Totally irrelevant in the scheme of things. 47, or is it 45 years as a broadcaster. Various manifestations of the anarchist world this week. Actually only two. Cows of the Food Alternative, which uh, morphed into the anarchist world this week in 1989 when the Iron Curtain came down. So, think about it. Is this the type of life you want to lead? Is this the type of legacy you want to leave for your children and grandchildren? Or do you want the Commonwealth to be used for the common good? Do you want to be involved in the decision-making process? Do you want to continue to worship at the feet of Mammon and be asked you know, to donate over and over again? so that the CEOs of Australia can enjoy their uh, bounty, that we can create more billionaires by exploiting this country's natural resources whilst continuing to see this country's First Nations people, many of them that haven't been incorporated into the system, live a hand-to-mouth existence. Do we really want to live in a society where one-third of Australians don't have enough money in the bank to repair a fridge if it breaks down? Do we really want to live in a society where we spend, you know, every minute of the day thinking, thinking about how to pay bills? Do we really want to have to interact with financial institutions which give us, in inverted commas, money and we pay money to borrow money. That's what interest rates are all about. It's extraordinary. It's really an extraordinary situation. So keep your eyes and ears out. If you are in Victoria or other parts of Australia where there are elections, I encourage you to think about standing, not because you're going to be elected, not because you're going to change things, but because you're going to give them some heartburn and because you're in a position to provide some alternative viewpoints. As I said before, I'll be looking at this very closely This in July, have a series of meetings in August in the electorate of Mulgrate to see if there's any uh, interest, make a decision at the end of August, and if we made a decision at the end of August to go ahead with a campaign against uh, Mr Daniel Andrews, the Premier of Victoria, at the state election, well, then we'll campaign in earnest in September, October, November. It's an opportunity to strike back. It's an opportunity to cause a little bit of consternation. But more importantly, it's an opportunity to change the agenda. It's an opportunity to break up the false idols. It's an opportunity to stop worshipping at the feet of Mammon. It's an opportunity to be involved in movements for change. 
Now, what I've been really interested in over the last few years is how little fight there is left in the Australian population because of the way things are structured to make people's lives so insecure. And insecurity in a private investment of a private profit world means slavery. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming on streaming on 3cr.org.au. The podcast will be available in the next few hours. You can access the podcast anytime you like. Think about what you're doing in life. Think about whether you want to continue to live in this particular situation, whether you want to change things. Ultimately, everything, every change comes from an idea. And ideas grow and they flourish if they're watered. It's like seeds. You fertilise them, you water them, the ideas grow. Think about it. Look, you can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public. You can go to the Facebook page for public interest before corporate interests. You can go to the web page, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. We've made it very easy for people to join public interest before corporate interests. You can do it on the net. You can do it now. It takes about two minutes. doesn't take long at all. So you can join today. You can write to us. Yes, I still answer mail. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pipsy.net. You can go to the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, but it's all a waste of time unless you become involved. Whether you become involved with us, whether you become involved with another group, the issue is look beyond the single issue. Life is more than a single issue. Look at the background. Look at the C word. Private investment for private profit. The struggle ultimately is against capitalism. Reforms will continue peripherally, but changes to the type of economic system we have will not occur without your participation. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Thank you to the Community Radio Network for broadcasting The Anarchist World this week across Australia once again. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. If you're unhappy with the program, well, look, many broadcasts out there, podcasts, go somewhere else. If you're interested, get your friends to listen. Get involved. That's all I can say. Thank you once again. Listening. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.